into church planting from uh, youth ministry in the suburbs of Chicago, Elk Grove Village, uh, to be exact, to Gillette, Wyoming. And anybody ever been to Gillette? Okay. Energy capital of the United States and going through a rough time right now. Um, but uh, when we moved there, it was the fastest growing city in the United States. And um, kind of like, uh, I know Bozeman's growing very fast right now as well. Um, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to share with you, um, back in the day, if you've never been to Montana and you grew up in Indiana like I did, there's one thing that you heard about Montana that you always wanted the chance to do, especially when you turned 16 and you got your license. Does anybody know what that was? No. <laughs> no? It's no longer true on the roads of Montana. There was no speed limit. just said something like wise and prudent or something like that. And during the daytime, there was no speed limit. And uh, so I always wanted to go here and do that, but I missed my chance, you know. And um, so by the time I got to Montana after moving to Gillette, I think it was 75 or something like that. Right, uh, it was about um, now two years ago, we left Gillette and went to uh, Colorado to oversee the Rocky Mountain District in planting new churches for the EFCA, Evangelical Free Church of America in the Rocky Mountain District. And at the time, Wyoming changed their speed limit from 75 to 80, and, uh, which is pretty exciting. Now, before that time, when it was 75, what speed do you think people went? 80. Okay, so therefore, when it's 80, do you think people went 80? What do you think they went? Yeah, 85, 90. If the speed limit was changed to 100, would people stop at 100? No, they would go 105. You know, and that that's my personality is to, you know, want to if there's a yellow light, my first thought is, do I have enough time to make it through this light so I don't have to stop and wait? Can I legally go through this light? Right. Um, when I think you're supposed to have caution to slow down at that point. But um, I want you to think about something for a moment. The amount of faith that we place in the roads and other drivers um, in our cars to go that fast. You get in a car and you're trusting that those tires are going to take you at 85 miles an hour on a road that the engineers that designed the curves and the road there um, are going to be okay, that they knew what they were doing, that your car is going to work, that if you're on a two-lane highway and somebody's coming at you, and maybe they're 16 years old and they just got the, your license, they know to stay on the right side of the road and they're not going to come and decide to go on your side. Just yesterday, taking plane flights and voluntarily getting in a metal tube and going 550 miles an hour at 30,000 feet, drinking uh, a ginger ale. You know, that, that just, something's not right about that. And uh, so we live life and place a lot of faith in those things. And what I want to talk to you about today is we serve the creator of the heavens and the earth. And many times we do not live our Christian lives with a green light. Jesus said, um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, right, to the very end of the age. And he says, go, you have a green light. So it was um, about eight years ago when uh, I was in a comfortable environment in the suburbs of Chicago, 
a youth pastor there. I had graduated uh, years before from Moody Bible Institute in downtown Chicago. And our pastor retired. And uh, I was thinking, Lord, what is the next step of ministry uh, for our family? And uh, thinking that maybe that would be staying at that church or going to another church and, and becoming a pastor there. I felt that our time there was was done as we prayed, said, Lord, what do, you, what do you have for us? It doesn't seem like we're supposed to stay here. So in our uh, high school class, Sunday school class, we were going through a book about um, American idols, it was called. And it was about idolatry in the United States, comparing it to uh, Israel and things that they uh, went through and what would be those things today. And at the end of one of those chapters, they asked us to write down something that you would say to the Lord, Lord, I would be willing to do anything, but I don't know that I could do this. Write it down, offer that as a uh, sacrifice to the Lord, say, Lord, I don't want to hold this back from you. The only thing that could, came to my mind at that time was church planting. So I wrote that down, and that week my dad called me, and he said, you know, I was seeing this uh, TV show, this news show, and um, I think I know the place that you're supposed to be. And I said, what's that? He said, Gillette, Wyoming. And I'd never heard of Gillette. You know, the only thing I knew about Wyoming was its capital from history class and that Yellowstone was somewhere there. And I said, this place, Gillette, they say that it's the fastest growing city in the United States. There's people moving from all over the country there for jobs. And it said they need construction workers, they need doctors, they need teachers, they need pastors in churches, it said. It's a rough place and uh, has a reputation, as we studied it out, of uh, highest divorce rate in the state of Wyoming, and Wyoming is very high. Uh, a lot of, um, lot of wealth um, for, because of the energy industry, um, but somebody that's 18 years old making six figures um, right out of high school leads to a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of alcohol abuse, a lot of drug abuse, um, and a uh, kind of a wild west town, but with everybody coming into it. And he said, man, if I were you, I'd want to go on an adventure and really go someplace like that where you can make an impact. So I had just prayed that prayer, offered it to the Lord, and we just said, Lord, if you want us to do this, you give us a green light, and we'll take one step of faith at a time in uh, going to Gillette. If you don't want us to do that, you put up a red light, but we're going to assume that you have given us the go-ahead to just explore. And so began to do that and just continue to pray that prayer. And God began to show us that he was calling us to go there. One of the very first things that happened um, was my uncle, who was a professional fisherman at the time, won a fishing tournament on Lake Erie. And uh, it was a, it called the Walmart Chevy Open. He won $200,000. He was on ESPN and everything. Stack of mail, when he got home, the very top letter was from us asking for prayer about the possibility of planting a church in Gillette, Wyoming, and the need there. So he read that, decided to tithe from that uh, toward our ministry going to um, Gillette. I started to hear about Gillette all the time. Um, we, had, uh, we took a step of faith, put our house on the market. I would fly out from, to Denver on Wednesday nights after youth group, drive up from Denver to Gillette and Rapid City, meet with people and, and things. And um, when we did that, God just began to put people across our path. My, uh, we put our house on the market. We had to sell our oven. So I drove to Indianapolis one morning, 
bought one on eBay. The guy I met with uh, in the 1970s, his parents lived in Gillette, Wyoming, which was very small at the time. My parents went on a, a cruise in Greece, with, uh, biblical studies cruise in the uh, Thessalonica and Corinth and those places. The guy that taught that cruise in the 80s was a pastor in Gillette, Wyoming. And there were about 10 things, boom, 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 that happened like that, where we knew that, Lord, we would be disobedient to you if we did not step out in faith. But we could have stayed in the area we were in with a church that had, was stable, had people that uh, knew us, trusted us. We had a, a salary uh, that was there. We had a house, had four kids. But we said, Lord, what, what, did, what did I just write down? Am I willing to trust you that you have given us a green light? So we took our family of, of six and um, in the winter of 2008 moved to Gillette, Wyoming. So one of the things that uh, the, the principles in discovering God's will in, in your life is this. We need to believe that he is stronger than our enemies and he's stronger than the unknown. In Numbers 13, starting in uh, 21 to 33, uh, the Israelites are being called to step out on faith. They've got a green light from the Lord to spy out the land. And here's what it says in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them were heads of the people of Israel. So you have all these leaders. And then in verse 18, here's the vision. See what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you have. It happened to be the season for harvesting in the first ripe grapes. So the Lord spies out the land first before them and he says i want now you to go and uh one thing we see is the lord is already prepping and doing the work ahead of time he knows that there are pagans in that land he knows that it is difficult that it's scary for them but he's saying that don't worry that i am going before you and you serve the living god so we know the story that uh there were those that went to spy on Canaan. How many were bad? How many were good? Anybody remember the song? Ten were bad and two were good. I'm going to read their names. Joshua, Caleb, Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, Palti, Gadil, Gadi, Amil, Sether, Nabi, Gul. How many of you know a Caleb? How many of you are named Caleb? Anybody? Joshua. My son's name is Joshua. Is so anybody that you know named any of these other ten names? No. Do you? Okay. I wondered. <laughs> I think that's gruel. <laughs> right. Isn't it interesting? We don't name our children after those that shrink back in fear. And when they're given a, a green light, say, no, I don't know that my God is greater than those false gods or than those, those giants over there. I don't know if we can do that. We even make up songs about it. Ten were bad 
into her good. Caleb and Joshua saw the abundant blessing and provision of the Lord. They didn't see the giants that were over there. Caleb, it says he quieted the people and stood before Moses. He says, let's go at once and take the land. We will certainly conquer it. But here's what the others said. They said, the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large, fortified. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites living in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites living in the hill country. The Canaanites living along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we have traveled and explored, it's going to devour them and their children. The people are huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. They saw this. They saw military strength. They saw large cities. They saw themselves as grasshoppers and the people across in Canaan as giants. And they looked at their children and they said, we can't trust our children to obey God and cross into there. They're going to get devoured. Does it sound familiar in kind of the, the culture we live in today? Things are exaggerated. And when the culture or a mission field is stronger and bigger than God in your mind, you'll always shrink back in fear. And you'll be looking for a yellow light that will cause you to slow down and stop, then encouraging and looking for and praying for that green light to say, like Caleb said, we serve the living God, a consuming fire. We will surely take this land. They had just witnessed the most powerful army and kingdom in the world bowing down to its knees and then being covered by the waters of the Red Sea and begged for mercy. The Canaanites were nothing compared to Egypt. Two million people had left Egypt, and they got it provided for them in the middle of the wilderness. They had been led by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. But they forgot how great their God was. When we went to Gillette, um, let me see if I can a picture here. Um, that's what they saw. Took two men to carry those. When we came to Gillette, here's some statistics about it. Uh, as we studied it, they said that <clears throat> nationally, there are 34% of people say they have no faith. In Gillette, it was at 43%. Uh, highest divorce rate, lots of adultery, lots of alcoholism. We would go to uh, places like Cheyenne, Casper, Newcastle, Rapid City, and we would share a vision for supporting us and planting a church in Gillette, Wyoming. And they would put their arm around us, pray for us, and um, it was almost like we were being sent out to evangelize ISIS. That was their mind. They were like, wow, you're going to Gillette. That has a reputation. I'm glad somebody's going there. I wouldn't want to go there, but I'm glad you're going to go there, and we'll support you. We'll pray for you. And they, they were supportive, but they're in their mind, wow, there's giants over there. There are rough people over there. You drive there, and on the bumper sticker and on the back window, it tells you exactly what they think about God and about life. Um, and uh, it's a pagan place. Difficult. 
But who's greater, God or the unknown, or those that are lost and maybe opposition that we might face? Whose God is stronger? Someone once said that fear is the sand in the machinery of our lives. It, it just grinds it to a halt and destroys that, that boldness of stepping out in faith. So we made the decision to step out in faith and to come uh, to Wyoming. And leaving Rapid City and the Black Hills, if you've never been out here, and there's one last tree at Keyhole, National, Keyhole Park, and then it's almost like you're driving on top of the surface of the moon. That's what it looks like. I mean, it, it just looks weird. And uh, people uh, that you don't know leaving family behind, but we knew that God was calling us to make this decision. What about you? In your lives, you've come from different states, different backgrounds. You're here to learn about God, to discover his will for your life. It starts with that. Who's greater, God or the fear of the unknown? or enemies that could be out there? What kind of green light is he calling you to walk through? Number two is we need to take a step of faith in God's word and in his character, oftentimes before we see his power at work in our lives. It says in Joshua 3 um, that the Jordan River was at flood stage. That means it didn't look like this. This is what it looked like when we visited there, uh, actually right before we uh, went to Gillette. Looked like this, but that's not what it was like. At flood stage in the spring, it can be a half a mile wide, 40 feet deep. In 250 miles, it descends 10,000 feet. It's called the descender. That's what the words mean. So you have family and kids and people coming down this steep embankment into this raging river. And he says, I want you to place your feet into the river and trust me. Think about how scary that would be. And when they did that, just like the Red Sea, God parted it and they walked across on dry land. Now to the Canaanites, that river was symbolic. It was symbolic of Baal's power. He's the fertility God. And for it to be dry and for them to walk across it is a a direct statement against the Canaanites, basically, that Baal is impotent. You think that he's great, he's not. I am your Lord, I am great, and I am going to kind of stick it right in the face of Baal and let those people know to serve the one and the true living God. But they had to step forth in faith, and then God revealed his power. And he often does that with us. Deuteronomy 9 one to three, it says, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than you. Cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people grand and tall, the sons of Anakim, whom you know, and of whom you have heard it said, Who can stand before the sons of Anak? You know, therefore, that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord God has promised you. We had to make a decision in coming to Gillette um, to announce to our church that we were going to be leaving, to place our house on the market in an economy where in Chicago, right before that, 
the economy just dropped in the housing market. Took trips out here without knowing anybody and following up on leads and just meeting people. Sent out letters and to take those steps of faith in trusting that God was going to provide. From May to November, we didn't have a single person look at our house. We had it on the market. No one even looked, let alone give an offer. Right about that time when I was starting to doubt that green light, got a call from my uncle, and he said, hey, I, I never told you what happened after I won that tournament. I was traveling, or I got a call from a friend of mine who's a Chevy uh, dealer, and he was traveling across the United States, and um, they sponsored him. And uh, he said, he called me and, and congratulated me, and he said, yeah, I'm traveling across the United States. I'm at this town called Gillette at this dealership. And uh, so my uncle gets this letter the very first time he ever hears of Gillette, Wyoming. That very week, he gets a call from that Chevy dealer. And of all of the dealerships across the United States, Gillette, Wyoming, he's right there. And, uh, and that was just a confirmation to us that, Lord, we, we need to step out in faith. Your timing is going to be perfect. It was right after that that uh, our neighbor behind us, her son wanted to live nearby and bought the house and moved to Gillette. Or, uh, yeah, moved to Gillette from there. And uh, God had been preparing other people in their walks of life, in their timing, where they were moving back and to be a part of this new church plant called Living Rock. And that's the third thing, that God's, God works in his timing so we learn to trust him and not ourselves and to give us an opportunity to be witnesses of his faithfulness to other people. Notice that God didn't want them to go through in the summer. He didn't want them to go through when it looked like that. He wanted them to go through at flood stage. That was not an accident. He wanted to do it to prove to them his power and his faithfulness, and also as a statement uh, to the Canaanites and to the false gods uh, that they worshiped of their impotence, that they could not trust in them. His timing was perfect go on here. In the Jordan River that spring, right before we moved, that moment was where we could be baptized as a statement of that green light that, Lord, if there's anything I'm holding back from you, right now I'm declaring that I'm trusting you, just like the Israelites did, and had to take that step of faith. And so there at the, at the Jordan River at uh, 32 years old at that time, saying, Lord, you are calling us to do this. I'm putting my trust in you. That's what we looked like back then with, uh, with six people in our family. And one of the first things I did was worked there at Starbucks, like a lot of people for health insurance and things. But also we met literally, I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people at working that drive-through at Starbucks and uh, ended up having four families come from those relationships to be a part of the church, baptized one of my coworkers that uh, was in the middle of a divorce and, and things like that as, as she came. And um, God's timing began to work perfectly. There was another family, a guy who became an elder later, who ended up coming uh, to, back to Gillette just at that time and uh, saw a flyer, was looking for an opportunity to serve somewhere with his family, and they came. And uh, the housing market in Gillette had dropped down a little bit, so the perfect timing was selling our house in Chicago 
correlated with us being able to afford a place there in Gillette. So God provided for us miraculously at that time. That's what it looked like in the beginning. That is called the Devil's Tower Room at the Best Western Hotel in Gillette, Wyoming. So we met in Devil's Tower, and uh, that's core group training right now, us going through our mission, our vision, our core values. Um, that's that family, the elder family. Thursday nights in Gillette in the summer, they would do a festival where um, you could have a booth, so we're handing out popsicles there. It's like 95 degrees <laughs> at that time. Um, and uh, Living Rock Church, Life on the Rock. And just, just uh, going out to the community, and, and unlike the Canaanites where we're conquering them militarily, it was bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to people. Um, this is two years after we moved. And uh, in the Evangelical Free Church, in order to transi transition from church plant to church status, uh, there are some things that need to happen. You need to uh, develop elders. They need to be able to pay you as a pastor. You have to have your first partners or members and uh, have them commissioned. Um, and then to begin giving to the district. And uh, this happened two years after we moved there. And uh, some of those people came from Starbucks. Some had, had moved, and it was God's timing, orchestrating their job changes and things like that, that he was calling them in the background and his timing even before we knew. I want to share something that the Lord did. So my wife was an urban ministries major, at Moody Bible Institute, Chicago. We lived right next to, Moody is right next to a place called Cabrini Green. Has anybody ever heard of Cabrini Green? Have you ever seen the movie Hoop Dreams? It was documentary. It's about a couple kids from Cabrini Green. Um, used to be the murder capital of the United States. Now they've torn it down and put up uh, kind of wealthy uh, condos there and things like that. But at the time, she would work there, and she is the only believer in her family, really has a heart for people that are coming from difficult circumstances and things. Well, we moved to Gillette, Wyoming, where um, it's not exactly very ethnically diverse <laughs> like it is in Chicago and Cabrini-Green, but still a lot of hurting people. So we were praying, Lord, one of our core values is engaging evangelism. That means that we're not going to wait for the culture to decide they want to come to church and hear about God. We are going to bring the light of the gospel to every dark corner of Campbell County, Wyoming. And so we did that. And uh, one of the things that we did is we said, we're going to identify one school that we're going to support. And uh, through an organization called Blessings in a Backpack, we're going to find out if there are kids there that are not eating very much on the weekends because of neglect, abuse, just a single mom, uh, very expensive in Gillette to live, um, and so just difficulty providing food and things. So the most difficult school identified 10 kids at the beginning that we would support with a backpack of food on Friday and bring back Monday. And uh, studies show that when this is done, attendance is better at school, the attitude, behavior is better, Grades go up because they're eating. And they said, when we asked, are there really 10 kids or how many kids really are not eating between Friday and Monday? They said about 50 are not eating on the weekend. So we said, just like with the green light, Lord, you called us to this school. We're going to support 50 kids. That's $800 to a $4,000 investment with about 50 people in the church. So that, that's a you know, step of faith. 
But right after that, teachers started to have uh, blue jean days on Friday and raise money. Organizations, big, huge coal companies and, and uh, organizations started to send money. And one of the things we would do is when we would pack these backpacks, we'd invite them to come and we'd pray over each student. We'd invite the staff and the teacher. We'd pray over them and over the principal and uh, then deliver it to them. And uh, people that deliver would you know, pray for this school as they're walking up and delivering this food. And uh, then in January, this started uh, in the fall. In January, five more schools said, we want to do this. So it went from 10 in the beginning. Now it's up to over 200. Um, and by this time, more and more people are wanting to get involved. And we're having people show up at church, school counselors and things like that. And, and uh, we're getting permission and able to put in things in the backpacks with invitations to our Easter outreach for kids and VBS and those type things. Well, by the time we left in 2008, this had grown to every elementary school in Campbell County. And as our church uh, grew, um, provided, God just kept providing. And uh, 850 kids every week in uh, over 14 schools in Campbell County would receive this food. Then one day, um, my wife got a call from uh, People Magazine and uh, said that uh, the, the guy, the CEO of Blessings in a Backpack, um, told us to call you, that um, there are a lot of famous, famous people um, that, uh, that do this, but they wanted to focus on normal, everyday people that are making an impact in their community and uh, you know, against hunger in communities. So they flew a crew out to Gillette, Wyoming, <laughs> and uh, came to these schools, and actually that's what that picture is from. Um, where they were taking pictures, interviewed us, and um, so at that time, and then featured it later in the magazine. And, uh, you know, and it's not so much that they came and did that, but it's a testimony to that simple step of faith to walk into the river, say, Lord, you've given us a green light. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know all the challenges we're going to face. We don't know all the opportunities that you will give, but we know this that you are greater than the unknown, stronger, and uh, we also know that you're calling us to take steps of faith, and you will show your faithfulness. That's the safest place we could ever be is in the center of your will. And your timing is perfect. We don't know what's best. We don't have an eternal perspective, that long, far-sighted view of things. We, we're very nearsighted. So we need to trust you in your timing in that. And... Uh, through, through that ministry, which we could have never anticipated, it gave us an opportunity to impact literally thousands of lives in that community. And um, that's what we looked at like today. During this time, we also adopted two children uh, from Ethiopia that have uh, been with us about a, a year and a half. And what I do now is um, we moved two years ago down to Greeley, Colorado, where I oversee church multiplication and development for the Rocky Mountain District of the Free Church, which is Colorado, Wyoming, the Black Hills region of South Dakota. And uh, one of the things I'll just share with you that is a struggle in our district is we get, you know, we get calls and people wanting information about becoming pastors or planting churches, and they all want to go to the same, they all, they all feel called to the same place, the Front Range Mountains of Colorado, somewhere between Fort Collins 
and Colorado Springs. <laughs> People don't generally feel called to Wyoming. They don't feel called to the Black Hills of South Dakota or to a smaller community. And one of the things I appreciate about Montana Bible College is the emphasis that, you know what? There are a lot of these communities like Gillette where there's a lot of lost people. And there's a lot of open people as well that are hurting. And if somebody shows them the love and truth of Jesus Christ, there are a lot of people that are going to come to know Jesus Christ. And so we have developed uh, a residency ministry. And uh, we have one that just started in September uh, out of Cheyenne. And uh, this uh, pastor came, he was an associate in Nebraska, came over to Cheyenne. And we're working with Cheyenne, Casper, Lander, Gillette, um, and Laramie, those five churches are working together in this one-year residency, supporting financially, our district supports them financially, and then they'll be sent out next, year's, next year to one of three communities, Rock Springs or Douglas or Sheridan, Wyoming. But they're not going to be sent out alone like we were, <laughs> be sent out hopefully with a team of people, with support, with mission teams that will come and support this, this ministry. But there are communities like that. In, in the Black Hills and in Wyoming and other parts, uh, western part of Colorado, southern part of Colorado, where there are churches waiting for opportunities to do that. Um, so what is the Lord calling you to trust him in? Are you standing on the banks when he has given you a green light? I want to close with this, all right? So does anybody know what this sport is called? Crew. You ever seen those, those um, kind of things in school about what doesn't belong, right? What doesn't belong in this picture as you first look at it, if you didn't know anything about crew? There's one person that stands out. Who is it? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Who's facing the finish line? The one person, does anybody know his name, his title? He's called the Coxswain. And in crew, he's the only one facing the finish line. Everybody else is facing backwards. And they are looking not to the right, not to the left, not to, you know how it is with crew, boats are going like this, straight at the Coxswain. He's shouting instructions at them, giving encouragement, and they're through and finished with the finish line before they even realize it, because they're focused on him, not to the right, not to the left, not to what's going on around them, just in unison, rowing with their eyes on him as he gives instruction. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. For the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's the key, focusing our eyes on him. Not on the water, not on what's on the other side, but just right on him. And one day, when you're through the race of life, say, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're at all interested 
in talking with me about opportunities in our district and in uh, church planting or pastoral ministry. I love the chance to do that. But whether you're looking to something like that or end up with us or wherever your walk of life, I just want you to remember that, that you know, when you're looking at, Lord, what do you want me to do for your life? You have to understand that he is greater and stronger than the unknown and any enemies you might face. That he calls you to take steps of faith oftentimes before you see the result and the power at work. And then his timing is perfect because it's going to cause you to have to trust him to see greater works that he'll do, and that'll give you an opportunity to be a witness and to testify to his faithfulness in your life. And you've been given a green light. Don't slow down and wait for it to turn red. Walk through those doors and be faithful to the Lord in that. Um, I go ahead and close us in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you so much for each person here. We know they're not here by accident. You have called them here for purpose, for for your good, Lord, and for your kingdom. Thank you for your willingness to work through us as weak vessels, Lord. Um, You could do this all yourself without using us, but you choose to, Lord, so we can see your hand at work in our life and experience the joy of that. Father, we pray that there would be so many communities, so many people's lives, that we'd be eternally changed through the lives of faithful people through the power of your Holy Spirit in this room. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name.